0: Welcome to We Go Back. I'm your host, Brian Abushakra, and on this week's episode, we will be reviewing Whatever Happened, Happened, and Dead is Dead, the 11th and 12th episodes from Season 5 of Lost. Let's start off with Kate in her flashback. I want to point out to you that she is singing Catch a Falling Star to Aaron as she's walking up to Cassidy's house. This is the song that Claire had requested the adoptive parents sing because her father, used to sing it to her. And that also played in the crib when Claire was in the aero station with Ethan. Moving along, we hear Kate tell Cassidy that she was sent by Sawyer. Cassidy again reads her like a book. And I like watching the actor who portrays Cassidy in this scene because you can tell she's able to read Kate's lie before she even mentions it. Now let's go back to Dharmaville. I want to talk about the scene where Kate comes to Sawyer just trying to get answers from him. And I think he's totally right in telling her that she needs to get out of here because she's only going to cause more issues for him to deal with. This is another example of Kate's inability to just let things sit. And Sawyer's totally right because immediately after, Horace arrives with their crew and is very suspicious of why Kate's there. Luckily, Sawyer's able to come up with a good alibi and tells her to run along. One thing I wanted to elaborate on is how Sawyer is managing this entire situation. It's really interesting to see him do this damage control and coordinate everything. Everything As he's leading the group through a crisis and this is a very different Sawyer than we had originally seen when he got to the island So one thing in this episode that I felt was great was the conversation that Hurley kept having with Miles about time travel When Hurley first brings it up, he's looking at his hand waiting to disappear like in back to the future But I like Miles explaining that that won't happen because what Saeed did in the past has already happened but They just weren't the ones to experience it yet. He explains that everything will be fine because they wouldn't exist otherwise. And this is a really big point to try to understand. And we'll elaborate on it a little bit later in the episode. But Miles is trying to talk about the structure for how this show is being set up. He's basically giving you the answers. Telling you that Ben has to be fine because for them to exist and for them to be here, it already had to happen and jack being a man of science decides to test this theory when he tells sawyer he won't help them because according to what miles said they wouldn't be here unless ben was okay and for jack to believe that he's here for a reason this is his method of testing that theory But Jack is starting to sound a lot like John, especially in this scene. He refers to the island as having its own will, and he acknowledges that it brought him here for a reason, and maybe he was just getting in the way. Kate doesn't like that Jack won't help Ben, and this is very interesting considering what Kate originally did to her father. She seemed pretty ruthless back then, and knowing what Ben does in their future... I find it really surprising that she won't kill another evil man. Now let's go back to the time travel conversation between Hurley and Miles. I think this is a really interesting way for Lost to make sure that you understand the whole framework of the time travel that they're using in this show, while they're also explaining the perspectives of how the viewers have seen everything. We get to experience time much like the characters in the show. And while time is linear, their perception of that time is now shifted. Each of their personal timelines exist on its own, but where that exists within the actual time of the world is what's changed. So when Miles tells Hurley that all of this already happened, we just haven't experienced it yet. We get a little bit of a nod to that later in the episode when Richard explains that Ben won't remember any of this incident when he goes through the procedure to save his life. So we get an answer to that question, but Hurley and Miles aren't there to experience it, so they don't know. Now let's dive a little bit deeper into Kate's motivations for wanting to help Ben. It really seems as though she was brought here specifically to save his life. She came back to the island with a bit more compassion. And this is backed up when Cassidy explains that Aaron was actually there to mend her broken heart for Sawyer. Kate needed something to help fill that void, so she adopted Aaron, but always knew that that time would run out. And even though Kate did live as Aaron's mother for three years, she makes the difficult decision to give him up, and for once in her life does something in someone else's interest. And I think it's because she's finally gained a different perspective from being a parent. She now knows what it's like to lose a child, and that gives her the compassion that she has for Roger and Ben. This is further punctuated by Sawyer's decision to save Ben as well. Sawyer chose to save Ben's life because he loves Juliet, just like Jack chose to save Ben's life in the future because he loved Kate. They're both both setting aside what they wanted for the person that they loved. And that was something that Kate had a hard time doing. And only through Aaron was she able to gain that perspective. And one last thing to take us out of this episode, when Richard tells Kate and Sawyer that Ben's innocence will be lost, this is giving us an explanation for how ruthless Ben is. They have created the person who later causes them so much turmoil, but because they don't believe that they should let a child die, they're going through with saving Ben's life. And that'll take us into Dead is Dead. We open up to Ben, explaining to Locke that the reason he came back to the island was because he wanted to be judged by the monster. And this will take us into the scene where... Ben steals Alex from Danielle. And it's cool to see how the music box actually broke, but I also wanted to point out why Rousseau was so adamant about Ben being one of the others. Back in season two, she had caught him in a net and implored Saeed to believe her that he was one of them. This is how she knew. Now let's talk about the scene where Ben explains to Locke why he killed him. It sounded like he was going to say, I had no more use for you. The reason I bring that up up is it seems like a very out-of-character slip for Ben, where he almost reveals more than he intends to. Locke, however, seems to be back in full island swing because he agrees to help Ben be judged and corrects him for his reason, tells him that it's because he murdered his daughter. And the interaction between Locke and Ben in this episode is very interesting. Locke is asking a lot of questions about the decision-making that Ben made as the leader, why he chose to move his people to the barracks, and all the a while He's leading him back to the barracks, where Son and Frank are waiting for them. They had been told by Christian to wait for John Locke, but both knew he was dead. So when we get that great shot of Locke standing outside and waving, it just makes me love the humor this show has. Locke has always had funny little moments, from the orange peel to just simple waves. He can have the greatest and funniest moments in this series. So now let's go to the flashback where Charles is being exiled, but Whidmore questions Ben's motivation on whether what he's doing is for the best interests of the island. He tells Ben that if Alex is to die, she will die, and that you can't fight the inevitable. This seems like he's saying it with a lot of certainty. It almost seems like he already knows what's going to happen. And maybe him asking Ben to kill the baby was his trying to prevent Ben from the pain of losing his daughter. Next, I want to talk about the conversation between Ben and son. When he tells her that the island is miraculous and it's done a lot of great things, And we've seen it, Locke has been able to walk after being paralyzed, Rose had her cancer cured, Jin was able to have kids, but dead is dead. And once you die, there's no coming back from that. So the fact that John Locke is up and walking is something that terrifies Ben greatly. It seems like he knows something we don't. So we see that Locke takes them back to the place he almost got sucked under by the monster. And before Ben goes inside, he apologizes to Desmond through son. He had found Penny and had planned to kill her. But when he realizes that they have a child, remembers what it was like to be raised without his mother. And in that moment, gives an opening for Desmond, who beats him senseless. So that explains why he looks all beat up when he gets on the flight. So Ben and Locke go down to visit the smoke monster, and one thing I wanted to point out is that when Ben falls down in the hole, Locke runs off to go get rope, but then we get a scene that's very similar to the one we got when Echo was being judged. However, in this case, it doesn't attack Ben. Alex actually shows up, and just as Alex leaves, Locke comes back to help. Folks, that'll take us to the end of this week's episode. Next week, we will be reviewing Some Like It Hoth and The Variable. Send in any of your thoughts, theories, questions, wegobackpodcasts at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian. But until next episode, you guys take care.